you'll please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, I believe, will be found on page 979 in the Bibles in the sharebacks underneath there. Turn on your screen or whatever it is you'd like to look at the scriptures with. Please follow along. And as you're turning there, I want to make mention of a couple of things. Men, in the bulletins this morning, there was an insert about the men's rally coming up this Friday night. I invite you to join me and many other men uh, as we fellowship, as we learn together and grow together. It's going to be a wonderful time. Cornerstone is helping sponsor this event. Dr. Richard Pratt will be the speaker, and it will be a great time. I encourage you to come. Then I'd like for you also to make note of something. You'll see that we're starting to advertise and come up soon as a women's retreat. Now, what does that have to do with men? My experience has been that our moms are tired, our wives are stressed, they're busy, and they're not going to go unless you say, honey, I want you to go, and I'm going to help you register. I'll take care of the kids, I'll cook my own cereal, all those things that you need to do. So please, please, men, encourage your wife to go. This will be a, a very encouraging time of fellowship. Julia Friedman is a dear friend of Laura and I. She's a wonderful speaker. I will guarantee you will be blessed. Please plan to go to that. This is your first Holy Guilt trip. More to come. Please encourage your wives. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12 will be our passage, but to get the whole context, I'll read down to verse 20. This is God's holy, inerrant, authoritative word to us this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. That I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is God's word to us this morning. Let's pray. Father, help us to see and to understand and to apply the truth of your word to our hearts and to our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
We are in the midst of championship season in American football, if you have not noticed. There is an overabundance of media coverage, uh, not only with the games, but the, the reaction to these games. To get in-depth look at the reactions and the thoughts and the feelings of the players and of the coaches and of the fans. One of the fascinating things that we often get an extended look at this time of year, if you like to watch these games, is you get to kind of understand the, the, the reason or the emotion or the mindset that a, that a player or a coach has that they attribute to the, the success of their winning mindset or winning the game. So imagine, if you will, after a, a game, the star coach or the star player of the winning team being interviewed by the reporter and the reporter will ask the player or the coach something like this. How did you do it? How did you do it? How, how are you able to win the game? The answers vary, but many times you'll hear answers that go something like this. Well, we just believed in ourselves. Okay. Or maybe you heard this. We found the inner strength in our team to win the game. Or you may hear, we did it because we worked hard, we, we trained hard, we knew good things would come if we believed in ourselves, and we worked hard and stuck together. You've heard those type of reactions before. And these are nice thoughts in and of themselves, and there's nothing wrong with these things. But these viewpoints follow much of the same logic of our culture today. But we're often told... Something like this. Just believe in yourself. Or follow your own heart. And good things will come. These types of sentimentalities are the exact opposite of what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. This is not the man mindset that he wants the Christians of the Ephesian church to have. Because when it comes to the Christian life, the Apostle Paul does not say believe in yourself or trust yourself, or follow your own heart, or find the strength within. He doesn't go anywhere close to that. He states very simply, but very emphatically, our strength, our help, our success, comes from the Lord, not from ourselves. Be strong in the Lord, and in the strength of His might. So he says here in verse 10, as we close out Ephesians here, finally, some of you may be thinking, finally, we're getting done with Ephesians, so we've got a few more sermons here. Finally, Paul says, this is his final exhortation to the Christian church. This is his final pastoral call and, and shepherding advice that he wants to give to the Ephesian Christians. It's the final thing he wants to say to them. These are the these are the words that he wants him to walk away with and remember when it comes to the very practical, biblical, and pastoral instruction for the Christian life. So this word, finally, can also be, be translated for the remaining time. For this remaining time that the Apostle Paul is talking about, he's talking about the time between the first and second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about the days that we are living in right now. 
the last days, the final days, this time that is characterized by conflict, by struggle, by evil. It's very much a battle that we are living in right now. And it's for this time that we need the strength of the Lord and the armor of God to, to survive in this struggle against evil. But in order to not only survive, but to strive in life, we must realize first and foremost that we are in a spiritual battle. That is the key to understanding all this. We need to realize that we are in a spiritual battle. If we were to survey our friends or our neighbors, if we were to randomly survey people walking down the street or Maybe even if we were to survey this congregation right now and we ask this question, what is, your, what is your greatest problem in life right now? What's the greatest struggle that you're having right now? What, what's causing you the most, the most stress or, or whatever right now in your life? I'm willing to bet that there would be few answers that would be along these lines. I bet we would hear very few people say, my my greatest problem in life is the spiritual battles that I'm facing in my Christian life. Or my personal battle against indwelling sin. That's really getting me down. Or surviving the wiles and temptations of the devil. That's what's really getting me. I don't think we would hear many answers given like that. I don't think we would hear many spiritual answers that are spiritual in nature. Why? Why is that? Why would we not hear those things? Well, it's because naturally, as human beings and human beings everywhere, we see our, our problems as mostly temporal. We see most of our problems as the here and now, materialistic in nature. Our, our worries and our problems, they're more focused on money. In our jobs, in our health, in our frantic schedules. This is kind of where we live right now. That's where a lot of our struggle is. And not that these things are unimportant. They're all very important. We, in a sense, have to worry about them. We have to take care of them. But we must see that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, our biggest problems are spiritual in nature. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in a spiritual battle. The world and the flesh and the devil are waging war, a vicious battle to pull your soul away from God and to devour it and to make you not worry about pleasing the Lord or following him or glorifying him in any way. And if we don't realize that this is the battle that we're in, this spiritual battle, life will be overwhelming. It could even be downright depressing. My friends, we are in a battle. The Christian life is war. It's spiritual warfare. You probably experienced this morning this spiritual warfare. 
as you try to decide whether to get out of bed to come to church tonight, to this morning. Oh, I want to get up. It's kind of cloudy outside. I'd love to sleep in. No, but I need to get up. <laughs> or perhaps the kids didn't get enough sleep last night, and Satan visited your home this very morning and even followed you into the minivan. <laughs> Trust me, I know. <laughs> Maybe that whisper came into your ear. I don't know where I'm going to church today. The sermon's not going to be that good. It's probably going to be a bunch of songs sung that you don't really know. So don't, just, just sleep in. Don't, don't even bother going this morning. I mean, does any of that sound familiar? And that's just Sunday morning. We are in a spiritual battle. Spiritual warfare is real. So how do you ready yourself for this spiritual battle? What are the things that you must do to fight and engage in this spiritual warfare that is very real and very hard and very long and very tiresome? There are three things, according to the Apostle Paul here in verses 10 through 12, that you must do to be ready for the battle. There are three things that you must do to be ready for this spiritual battle. You must be strong in the Lord. You must put on the armor of God. And you must know your enemies. The first is we must be strong in the Lord and trust in his might, Paul says in verse 10. As the opening illustration hopefully pointed out for you, we can't fight this battle ourselves. We can't engage in this spiritual warfare in our own strength alone. We need a force. We need a power that is outside of ourselves. This is what Paul says as a brother in Christ to us in this spiritual battle with us. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Paul is getting us to focus our eyes on Jesus. So look to the Lord for strength. This is not anything new that the apostle was telling us. He told us this way back in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. When Paul encouraged us, he said, to know, Christian, know this immeasurable power of God that he exerted in our lives, just as he exerted it and exercised it in Jesus' life when he raised him from the dead. That resurrection power is at work in your life. The mighty and strong and powerful God who rose Jesus from the dead is the one who uses and works this power in your life. Is that not amazing? Is that not the strength and power that we need to live the Christian life? Kids, you know this too. I bet you sing it in Sunday school and vacation Bible school and at home. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. That's right. <laughs> That's what we're saying here. The big and strong and mighty God, he is the one who is at work in those who believe. He is the one who gives strength to help us to engage in the spiritual warfare. 
The key is this. If you insist on living your life in your own strength, relying only on your own abilities, then you will be crushed. You'll be knocked out before you even enter the ring. Before the battle begins, you will have lost. Again, Paul's biblical and godly words of instruction here to us this morning is not to trust in yourself. He does not say follow your own heart. He says look to Jesus. He is the strong one. Christ is the mighty one. He is the one who holds the keys of death and Hades, he says in Revelation 1. He is the victorious one. We read this morning from Joshua chapter 1. And here in Joshua chapter 1, Joshua is, is, face, is facing this daunting task. He's about to take over leadership of God's people from Moses. I mean, Moses. Who wants to follow Moses? That's like following Nick Saban in Alabama. Might as well just shut down the football program. <laughs> this must have been a very daunting task for him. So what does the Lord do to prepare Joshua for this important leadership task? Again, he doesn't say, Joshua, trust in yourself, believe in yourself. No, he says, be strong and courageous because I am with you. Joshua, go in my strength and not your own. What about you? What about you this morning? Are you trying to live the Christian life by yourself? When Satan tempts you to despair, when the guilt in your life overwhelms you, when evil seems constantly at your elbow, will you look to Jesus? Will you seek strength from the Lord or from yourself? Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. But not only, we don't stop there. Not only do we trust in the Lord and his might, he gives us armor to fight this spiritual battle. In verse 11, he says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Brothers and sisters, the Bible is very practical. It is very helpful to us. It gives us very practical ways that we can live the Christian life. The Bible does not say, if you just stop doing this and that, all your problems will go away. It gives us things to do. It gives us help. No doubt the Christian life is described as, as we look back in Ephesians 4, as we put off sin and put on righteousness. So here again, we're told we need to put something on. There's something that we're to do in the Christian life in order to grow in Christ so that we may walk worthy of our calling, the Apostle Paul said. And so he says, you must put on the armor of God. Armor. Battle dress. Spiritual weaponry. This is not a passive way to live the Christian life. 
This is not let go and let God. This is do something. Paul was more than likely under Roman guard when he wrote the book of Ephesians. It was in a Roman prison. So perhaps as he looked at the Roman soldier, the centurion, he was inspired here. He thought back to the Old Testament illusions about soldiers and their weaponry. And these things served as inspiration for him as he described what God's armor is like and what it's for. So here he's saying, God's armor, the armor of God is absolutely necessary for the Christian life. It is vitally important so that we be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Here, Paul brings up the devil. When was the last time you heard a sermon on the devil? We don't talk about it much. We don't mention Satan. And this is where we need to stop and emphasize that the devil, Satan, he is a real being. He is a powerful foe. He's an ancient foe who is seeking to destroy the people of God and the work of God. He's always scheming. He's always at war with God and his people. Some may ask, why can't I see him? Why don't we talk about him much? Why isn't there more preaching on him? All those kind of things. He is perfectly okay with that. He would like to keep it that way. The modern church seems to dismiss him altogether. This is very dangerous for many reasons. For one, again, he would like nothing more than for us to ignore him. So he can go about his scheming and his devilish work and tempt us to despair and fall headlong into sin. And again, this can happen without us even knowing that he was there. But when it comes to Satan and the demonic forces, which the New Testament speaks very clearly and often about, we need to use caution here. I think C.S. Lewis provides some of the best caution. Many of you may be familiar with his work, The Screwtape Letters. Never read the screw tape letters, please get the screw tape letters. It is fascinating. There's a very short preface to the book about the screw tape letters, which is about the a, a elderly seasoned devil giving advice to his young his young uh, nephew about how to be a good devil. Um, fascinating, fascinating book. He says this at the beginning, there are, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about devils. One error is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors. In hell, a materialist or a magician with the same delight point is this. We must see that this is the truth of Scripture. Satan is a powerful force of evil. He is very much engaged in the spiritual warfare for your soul. The spiritual armor is needed. 
So Paul says, put on the armor of God. And we're going to have a lot of sermons on what this armor looks like and how we use it. It's all listed for us here in Ephesians 6. This is a command to put on the armor of God. This is a call to war. There is, be, there is and can be no passivity when it comes to the Christian life. It's not a spectator sport. John Calvin says, The Lord often offers to us arms for repelling every kind of attack. It remains for us to apply them to use and not leave them hanging on the wall. We must put this armor on. If you don't see your great need for God's armor and not your own mere strength, you will be crushed in this spiritual battle. We need the armor of God. But the third thing here that the apostle teaches us, tells us, in order to be ready for the battle, is that we need to know our enemies. We need to know our enemies. I've lived here for almost three years now, and one of my favorite questions to ask people as I get to know them is, is what do you do? Okay, so we ask that all the time, right? We all talk about what we do, and we're a busy mom, we're a busy engineer, or whatever it is. We, we like to talk about that, but I, I love asking this question because I'm from Mississippi. Well, we got lots of farmers and other type people. But I love asking people in this town what they do and what their job may be, say, out at the arsenal. And I am fascinated by what's going on at our Army facility out there. When there are when some of the most important work being done is not necessarily creating the biggest, baddest, most powerful weapons to destroy the enemy. I love talking to some of you who have said, well, actually my job is understanding what the enemy's war, warfare is, what their weapons capability is, deconstructing it so that we can know how to defeat it, destroy it, and wipe it off the face of the earth. And I'm thinking, well, that's good. And I always follow that up and say, thank you for that. You know, just feel like you kept me safe there by telling me that. Thank you. A strong defense and knowledge of our enemy is very, very important to our country's well-being, to our to our country's defense. It's the same way in the Christian life. It's the same way in the Christian life. A, a thorough knowledge of our spiritual enemies is vital. <laughs> We're to have victory in the Christian life. Paul states that these enemies, look in verse 12, they are not flesh and blood. In other words, you're not going to always see these enemies. They are spiritual forces. They are cosmic powers and spiritual forces of evil in the unseen realms. That though we cannot see them, they are very powerful. They are real. And this relates back to our great need for spiritual armor because our warfare is spiritual. It is so easy to relate our problems to the material world. We have already seen that our ultimate battle, our ultimate problems, our greatest problems, it's against the unseen evil of this world. 
evil within. The temptations of Satan. The allurement of the world. Do you know your enemies? Do you know them? Do you realize that there is a world that wants to tempt you? Wants to pull you away from God and away from Christ and say, worship me. Have me. I, I will give you the world. I am the world. Love me, the world says. Do you believe that there's enough evil right here in your own heart? That indwelling sin to ruin you and destroy the entire world. Do you believe that there is an ancient foe, a fallen creature from heaven, Satan himself, who is just lying and waiting for every opportunity to get you to worship yourself or him or any other thing but the Lord God Almighty? Do you see these powerful foes? The world, the flesh, devil, they are formidable enemies. Galvin states this, the meaning is this, that our difficulties are far greater than we had just to fight with men. There we resist human strength with sword as opposed to sword. Man contends with man. Force is met by force. Skill by skill. But here the case is widely different. All amounts to this. That our enemies are such as no human power can withstand. No human power can withstand these enemies. So we have to realize these enemies are formidable. And they will stop at nothing to destroy us. Even Satan, even if we don't acknowledge him, even if we don't see his schemes, he is perfectly okay with that. He will attack us with laziness. He will attack us with apathy. He will go after us with materialism. He will say, no, you need to get more involved in politics because that will make your life happier. He will do whatever it takes. So, dear friends, we have to know our enemies. We have to know what we're up against, even if we can't. So are you ready for the battle? Are you ready for the battle? In the same way that a, a coach is looking for ways to motivate his players and get them fired up for the game, the Apostle Paul is using battle language here and battle terminology to motivate the church, to call us to arms. Are you ready for the battle, he says. Let me circle back to Paul's opening statement. In verse 10, where he encourages us, he exhorts us to, to be strong in the Lord and in his might. Why does he start there? He starts there because of this. Jesus is the victor. He has already won the battle for us. Satan's doom is sure. Because Christ has victory over him. 
by his death on the cross. So therefore, be strong in the Lord. And in Jesus' might, his love, his power. Because that's where we safely rest. That's where our strength comes from. It is the gospel. This is where we find peace in the spiritual battle. This is where we learn that he will hold us fast. He will protect us. Because our Savior loves us. Father, we freely confess to you that we don't often look at life in this way. We don't see it as a spiritual, unseen battle. Lord, change our minds and change our hearts and help us to see that Jesus secured a victory for us that was far greater than we could ever imagine. For he has defeated foes that are far greater than what we can merely see. Lord, help us to see the devastating effects of sin in our hearts, in our lives, in our world. Help us to turn from it. Lord, give us strength to put on this armor. Father, help us to recognize our enemies, our sin, and to flee from it. And to pursue righteousness, godliness, and faithfulness. Because Christ is our captain. He is our victor. He has gone before us. We praise you and thank you for that. In his name we pray. Amen.